We're in a battle for America's soul. Liberty is at risk. It's time to speak up. Welcome to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot, Brooke Says. For years, Brooke's been behind the scenes, helping conservative leaders articulate a vision for a better America. Now, she's front and center, and the mic is hot. Here is your host, Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome to Brooke Talks America, where we discuss politics and culture from an unapologetically perspe- conservative perspective. As always, I'm your host, Brooke Says, conservative patriot, proud, deplorable and columnist, which you can find on brooktalksamerica.com. That's Brooke with an E. Connect on all the interwebs, Facebook, Twitter. Email me if you have any questions. Uh, if you'd like to partner with the show and be a sponsor, let me know. I'm here with my co- co-host, Colonel Jim Warshuk, who's the former deputy director for intelligence at U.S. Central Command. He also served on the White House National Security Council and is currently the Hillsborough County, Florida GOP chairman. His articles are on my website as well, but also on AmericaOutloud.com. So from hot topics to history, you can be sure if it's happening in America and there is a lot. I will be talking about it. Um, you can listen to archived podcasts of the show on my website. Also, I'm on Captain's America Third Watch every Tuesday morning at 5.30 a.m. Colonel Jim is on Wednesdays at 5 a.m. on this station. You can. I'm also available on uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Podomatic. And just so that you know, we I will be at the talk, um, the Salem conservative summit this coming Friday in Sarasota, which will feature Captain Matt Bruce as the MC, Larry Elder, Sebastian Gorka, Charlie Kirk, and our local Phil Grandy. I do have an article this week, which is on Amy Coney Barrett, and it's Amy Coney Barrett and the hypocrisy of feminists. Of course, feminists, the self-proclaimed protect uh, supporters of women are anything but. They only support women who think like them. And which is on full display ever since her name was mentioned three years ago and which we saw this week in the SCOTUS hearings. Particularly egregious were Diane Feinstein, who probably ought to be in prison for her stock dumping scheme and crazy Maisie. That is the Hirona, who right now is looking for a brain because she doesn't have one. Check it out on my website, brooktalksamerica.com. And this show is dedicated to Myra Jolie. She is the woman in the red mask who was sitting behind President Trump and supporting him at his ambush by Savannah Gunn. Three, who made the liberals insane. You're a champ, Myra. So let's get to the jelly. So we're joined today by Evan Sayat, who is a comedian and former comedy writer for the Arsenio Hall Show and Politically Incorrect with Bill Maher, before turning to the right and conservative speaker among his many accomplishments. He is the corrector, cre- creator and director of The Right to Laugh, A Night of conservative comedy which is a conservative comedy show as well as a contributor to the heritage foundation human events and washington times he has a book that came out a couple of months ago titled the woke supremacy an anti-socialist manifesto which is part of what we're going to be speaking about today andrew breitbart said his speech at the heritage foundation one is one of the five most important conservative speeches ever given and their single most viewed speech and that was the basis of his book kindergarten of eden i put it up on my facebook page it is indeed awesome you definitely need to watch that um special and with that welcome to the show evan thanks for coming on my pleasure brooke thanks for having me absolutely and so um you know i had a local i we spoke about this offline i had a local comedian come on my show a couple weeks ago and i have other people that are involved with the culture that's one of the things that andrew breitbart talked about a lot um you know 
politics is downstream from culture. And I love the fact that you're a comedian because the irony of this current situation is that conservatism is like the new punk. We are the people that are actually laughing while the left is now scolding and they're not laughing. You can't laugh at anything funny because it's not politically correct. And that's a big part of the wokeness, which we're going to get into. Um, and I wanted, you know, and that was kind of a lot until we we were not the funny ones until Trump came along and Trump understands culture so well that it's actually flipped. And, uh, you know, I know you were not a supporter of his at first as a, I was a cruise, you know, cruise supporter myself, but now I love him, but you understood at the time. And I know you do too. Uh, you understood at the time that the alternative, no matter what you thought about Trump, the alternative was obviously so much worse. And now that he's elected, you understand that he's a fighter and you've, you've come to the other side, which is that you're a supporter as well. Um, so you did not grow up as a conservative. Describe your evolution and what specifically changed your thinking and then how you came to be a Trump supporter as well. Sure. I was I was born a New York City liberal Jew. Uh uh, my liberalism was never leftism. It was never an intellectual or even intelligent uh, position. It was just sort of what Andrew would call the default factory setting for somebody born to those demographics. You know, I knew growing up what all Democrats know, that Democrats are good and Republicans are evil. I knew I was good, so I must be a Democrat. You know, I, I, I knew Democrats like peace, Republicans like war. I like peace. I must be a Democrat. You know, Democrats like the air. Republicans hate <laughs> air. I like air. I must be a Democrat. And water, so, don't forget. And and, and water. Yeah. And, and, oh, you know, all the above. And natural beauty and, and forests and trees. You know, I like those things, so I must be a Democrat. It wasn't until 9-11. And it wasn't even 9-11 itself. I actually call myself a 913 Republican. That's because 9-11 didn't surprise me. Obviously, I didn't know the date. I didn't know the targets. The the amount of carnage sickened me. But even then, even as a brain-dead liberal, I knew just enough about the world to know that the same people who'd been murdering the Jews of Israel for no other reason that they were the closest infidels, who were murdering the Hindus in India for no other reason that they were the closest infidels, who had only recently murdered children in Beslan, Russia, for no other reason that they were the closest infidels, would, when they could figure out a way across those giant oceans, of course they would come to kill the big infidel, the great Satan. Mm-hmm. What really started my, my, my conversion is what I metaphorically call 912. That's the days, the weeks, the months, and now the years after 911. And the liberal response to the attacks, the idea that we deserve them, that they were, in the words of uh, Barack Obama's spiritual Jeremiah Wright, the chickens coming home to roost, and that the way to prevent further attacks was to be nicer to the terrorists. This was insane to me. And then if this is what liberals believed, then I had to start thinking about whether I was actually a liberal. And guys, I have an expression. The first time you think is the last time you're a Democrat. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so it was at that point that I recognized there really is a culture war. And I reached out for the first time to a Republican group near my home in Hollywood. I expected to to go in disagreeing, not only disagreeing with them, but, but being antagonistic on every single issue that could possibly be except one. 
And and that was that we needed to stand up to Islamic fascism. It, it, it really didn't matter if I disagreed with them about abortion if we were all dead. Right. It didn't really matter if I disagreed with them about borders and, and, and immigration law if we were all dead. And when I walked into that room, I, I heard something I never heard as a Democrat. I actually heard people who could offer an affirmative reason for the things they believed. Yeah. Up until then, all I'd ever heard from the Democrats is everybody who disagrees with us is evil. Everybody who disagrees with us is a racist, is a bigot. None could explain what their policies were, why they were good, how they worked, why they failed in the past, and what they're going to do differently this time. It was all ignore the crime in New York City, ignore the dead bodies in Chicago, ignore the homeless in Los Angeles, ignore the, the, the rats in Baltimore, ignore the feces in San Francisco, because look, hey, over there, it's Hitler. Right. And, and that was the entire. And, and so once I started to hear people actually able to affirmatively argue on they believed, I knew that this, this is where I belong. So that's, well, how, that's how you became a conservative. Well, that's, that's how I began my move first as a reluctant Republican right. and then as a firm Republican, uh, then as a, re- a reluctant conservative, now as a firm conservative, and in fact, now as a right wing fanatic. I love I mean, it. I, I'm not actually even a right-wing fanatic. I'm an anti-left-wing fanatic. Right. Right. I was I was laughing because I saw your podcast with Tim Gordon and and uh, you were talking about that and he said I am a right-wing fanatic. He actually got <laughs> fired. He got fired, you know, we'll get into all this, but he got fired for saying that BLM is a terrorist organization. So, you know, but yeah, uh they're going hardcore after that. So, the you know, one of the things that's happening now, obviously, and this is the title of your book, you know, or this is part of the title of your book, is The Woke Supremacy. I really want you to get into that. We have about a couple minutes, and then we'll come back after the break. But start on that and and talk about what it is that's actually, you know, it's an anti-socialist manifesto. And they have come out, obviously, the found one of the founders of, of BLM, Patrice Cullors, she's on audio saying that she's a Marxist. You know, we're trained Marxists. We have- Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders calls himself a socialist so it's not yes. to go that deep in. but he's a you know he's Bernie a nice Sanders, guy yeah. uh baltic socialist right, right. but a nordic yes a nordic he, socialist but but that's an oxymoron and, and that's false in yes. fact even the prime minister of denmark went to to the yep. um harvard school of policy uh, and said, I know some of you here think that that the Nordic states you know, use the socialist system. We are not a we are not a planned economy. We are a market economy, just like America, just like America. Right. So it's fraudulent. It's actually a a a, a, a conventional uh, a con man's trick, a confidence game, where they promise us Denmark in the year 2020. But they really intend to bring us Germany in 1930, Russia in 1940, or, the, or China in the 1950s. That's the system of socialism. You know, and, and one of the mistakes, and this is so essential to my book, The Woke Supremacy, an anti-socialist manifesto, is that the mistake most people make in thinking about socialism is in thinking of it as an ideology. It's not. It's a governing system and an organizing method that can be embraced by any number of ideologies. 
So Marxism wasn't Leninism. Leninism wasn't Stalinism. Stalinism wasn't Marxism, uh, uh, Maoism. Maoism wasn't Hitlerism. And, and, and Hitlerism isn't Bernie Sandersism. But the ideology is only half of it. The system of socialism is so inherently authoritarian, totalitarian, globalist, and utopian that no matter what ideology attaches itself to it, it's going to be failed economically and devastating for humanity. Absolutely. We are coming on a break. You're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, on Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer, and we will be right back. More Brook Talks America coming up. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America with Brooke Says. Check out the blog at brooktalksamerica.com. Here's Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brooke Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says. You're listening to us on Salem Media Group, AM860, The Answer. And I am here with Evan Sayat. And I just wanted to um, mention, there was, there's a guy named Maji Nawaz. I don't know if you if you're familiar with him. He... He was a um, an Islamist who was arrested in Egypt, and he mentioned that he was actually of the idea that he wanted to have like ISIS does, with, which is a caliphate. And then he was in jail, and he realized, he says, oh, my God, if we ever get the world that they want to push for, no one will be able to live in it comfortably and peacefully. And he ended up changing and now he's an anti-islamist he's a reformed muslim and he talks to other islamists about that subject so they think that they want to have this world all these socialists they don't know anything the the lower level the minions on the street most of them have no idea they've just been indoctrinated and that's part of the the long march through the institutions that i know you know i, I want you to get into that you know who are these people because these are like, I call it your five pillars. Who are the people that are in this woke uh, supremacist movement? Right. Uh, let, let's first establish that it is, in fact, a supremacist movement. Yes. And, and, and all socialist ideologies are, by definition, supremacist. If you think that there's one ideology that should rule the world and there's one kind of person who when all the others have been done away with, will make utopia. That is, by definition, a supremacist movement. You know, you, you look at the three prerequisites, and, and Lenin, too, had the utopia that he imagined. Uh, Hitler also imagined a perfect world. It was a different perfect world, but it, too, was a utopian ideology that he imagined. Uh, Stalin uh, he imagined the worker's paradise. He, too, imagined the perfect world. So they're all utopian ideologies, and the three prerequisites for every socialist ideology is that there be no personal possessions, there be no countries, and there be no religions. Without personal possessions, the individual doesn't have the resources to stand up to an authoritarian and totalitarian government. Mm -hmm. Without countries, there are no other militaries. There are no other countries strong enough to stand up to the globalist dictatorship. And without religion, there's no higher moral authority to countermand the dictates of the globalist dictatorship. And, and 
even the nicest guy, even the nicest socialist in the world was creating a utopian world of his imagination that was globalist and that was supremacist. And in fact, he says, John Lennon, okay, we're not talking Hitler. We're not talking Mao. We're talking John Lennon. He says, paradise will be when all the people live as one. Well, Hitler wanted all the people to live as one. It was just a different one. Right. The 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 uh, ISIS and the the Islamicist supremacists want all the people to live as one. It's just a different one. You know, the Stalin wanted all the people to live as one. It was the workers. It was it was that one class. And and so in every single way, shape, and form, even the nicest socialist, John Lennon, was calling for exactly the same globalist, socialist, utopian supremacism. The question only is, who are the one this time? Right. Well, and, and apparently, um, I don't know if you saw Oberman, he's going to get, he's talking about getting rid of us. I'm going to play the clip later, but he's basically talking about getting rid of all Trump supporters. Because we're not the right. ones. Yeah. That, that, that's exactly that's yeah. exactly right. Look, when John Lennon says, uh, and, and all the others followed implicitly, uh, that, that paradise will come when all the people live as the one of that ideology, that means by definition all of the others have to be done away with. In some way or another, all of the others have to be dealt with. And we think about the atrocities that were committed by Hitler and the atrocities that were committed by Stalin and Mao. And, but what you have to recognize is those were just the primitive technologies available to those cancel cultures. They were cancel cultures as well. They just the sophistication to cancel people in the way that they do today. And in fact, this is exactly what Orwell was writing about in 1984. Right. Right. Orwell's genius isn't found in his recognition of, of, of socialism's inherent authoritarianism and totalitarianism. Everybody knew that. In fact, it's even written into the, the perfect socialist theory. And even in the perfect theory of socialism, Marx knew there'd have to be a dictatorship of the proletariat who would then take care of all the others. And then once all the others were taken care of, then they'd be nice people. Then the world would live as one. Then they'd have their workers' paradise. And where we are right now in this version of it is the, the riots in the streets, the, the beating up of people, the, the killing of, the of cops. This is not the world that they imagine. This is the dictatorship of the proletariat that's required yeah. in order for the socialists to create the world that they imagine. Well, and you have is one of your pillars is like the what are they willing to get it? If the James O'Keefe videos have showed over and over again, and the, the Bernie supporters were really hardcore about this, this guy Jurek, I hope that the DOJ is watching him and has him under arrest. But they, they literally talked about re-education camps, right? And they talk about killing random Nazis. Everybody who su supports Trump is a random Nazi. Black people that support him, Jewish people that support him, Hispanics that support him, everyone that supports Trump is a, is a Nazi, according to them, because they're insane. Yeah, but, 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 but it goes all the way back. And you actually did ask this question, and I went off on the John Lennon parts. I thought that was uh, some essential predicate to lay. But this goes all the way back to the 1960s and 70s, the radicals of the 60s and 70s. Yep. And these people, you know, they, they, they've enjoyed the benefit of having their propagandists 
conflate hippieism and, and, and civil rights movement with the radicals. But the radicals were not the hippies, and they opposed equal rights. They were against equal rights. They wanted to overthrow the government. Right. And these were actually quite horrible people, quite evil people, and I would even say most of them were mentally ill. And, and, and to give you an example, at the very first meeting of William Ayer's terror group, the Weather Underground, they actually took a few minutes to cheer Charles Manson. Wow. Uh, these these were the kinds of people, and they murdered people, and they killed yeah. cops, and they kidnapped people, and they set off bombs, and they were terrorists, and they tried to foment a revolution. And by the way, they didn't hide it. Bernie Dean Dorn, the wife of William Ayers, mm-hmm. and another member of the Weather Underground, and, and a murderer and a terrorist, Bernie Dean Dorn approached a bank of microphones that were set up for her, and she said, hi, I'm Bernie Dean Dorn, and I'm going to read to you a declaration of war. And they, they sought to foment, one, a, a race riot, a race war, which is why they cheered Manson. Right. Manson's goal was that that's what Helter Skelter meant. Helter Skelter meant an apocalyptic race war. And that's what Manson tried to start. And that's what the Democratic Socialists have been trying to start from back then through today. Back then, they couldn't get anybody to join their revolution. And the reason was simple. The people from the greatest generation had lived in the real right. world. Millions had fled the socialism they were selling in, from, from Stalinist Russia. Millions more had, had, had fled the socialist system they're selling uh, from Hitler's Germany. Millions more returned from World War II having fought against and seeing the devastation of the socialism they were trying to sell, and they couldn't get anybody to join their, 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 their revolution. And in fact, there's a great story in the book. It, 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 Muhammad Ali, the great boxer from, from, the, from the 70s and 80s, and this is a black man from the then democratically controlled South. This is a man who had long prior converted to Islam. And he went over to, to Africa to train for a big fight. And when he came home, Muhammad, what'd you think of, what'd you think of Africa? And Muhammad Ali said, quote, thank God my granddaddy on that boat. And so when they couldn't find anybody to join their revolution, they decided to go on what's called the long march mm-hmm. through the institutions. They decided to take over education, take over academia, and, and uh, use it as their ministry of indoctrination. And they went and they took over entertainment and news and used it as their ministry of propaganda. Now they have the ministry of, of communication, social communications. And they used these institutions, these ministries, to brainwash successive generations into the hate for America that they couldn't find amongst Americans who had actually lived in the real and grown-up world. And in fact, it was Mark Rudd, one of these vile, vile people who were the founders of, Demo- of the Democratic Socialist movement. He said the true flowering of the 60s when we've taken over the institutions. Well, he was wrong. Well, but he was wrong because he missed the obvious. It would take one more generation, 30 more years to use those institutions to then brainwash the next generation to hatred for America. Well, Brooke, if, if, if from the 60s to the 90s is 30 years, what's 30 years from the 90s? This year. 
2020. And this is why they've taken off their masks. This is why they call themselves socialists again. This is why Bernie Sanders calls it the revolution. This is why they're killing cops again. This is why they're terrorists again, because now they feel that they not only have the movement, but they've created their brain dead foot soldiers who are who are so steeped in the in the hatred for America, so steeped in the narratives and the orthodoxies of, of the woke supremacy that they never even question. They never even question the lies. And the lies are so easily disproved by things that these people already know, but they're not allowed to think about. Yeah. It's really, it's really astonishing. So very, I, I mean, we could totally go on for this with this uh, for another hour. What the the last question then becomes, what will befall humanity? You know, we have an election in a couple of weeks, right? I, I'm praying, obviously, they're they're so wicked that they could be cheating. And we have no idea. I mean, I think Trump is a gangster enough to be to be able to, you know, accommodate all of their wickedness. But what will happen if they get their way, you know, in two well, minutes or less? It, it, it would be the same kind of thing that would have happened had the German socialists won World War Two. Yeah. It would be the same kind of thing had the Soviet socialists won the Cold War. It would be the same kind of thing that would have happened had ISIS or or prior to the Ottoman Empire uh, had, had had the Islamists created their global caliphate. It's going to be the the the, the, the total cancellation of any and all. Uh, even, even dissent, yeah. yeah. Even 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 dissent, even questioning. And this, by the way, is written into their rule book in Solinsky's Rules for Radicals. Another vile man, whose book, by the way, by 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 Alinsky's own statements, is nothing other than a how-to for those who cravenly seek power and mm-hmm. don't care what it takes to get it. And Alinsky said, those who for any combination of reasons oppose the Reformation become unwitting allies of the political far right. In other words, anyone who doesn't go along with them is instantly declared guilty of the single greatest betrayal man has ever known, treason. Yeah. You know that Ali would have been called a sellout this year for what he Absolutely. said. Like, and, and Mark, and Mark, getting done. Right. Well, that's that's in there as well. I mean, yeah. in, in the book, The Woke Supremacy, I talk about how supremacies always have the one drop rule. <laughs> it doesn't matter how. Seriously, Ice Cube is a sellout? Really? He's yeah. Uncle Tom? Really? He's a yeah. white supremacist? Really? But if you disagree with them even once, you can go from, from being their hero and their darling to, to being put on one of those trains with the rest of us. I tell you, it's very frightening. It's very frightening. You, everybody needs to get this book and read it and also see his speech. It is, like I said, it's on my Facebook, Brook Talks. It's excellent. And all of the other speeches and all of the other uh, podcasts that you have are excellent. And I want to thank you so much, Evan, for being on the show. My, my, my pleasure, Brooke. Thank you. Absolutely. You're listening to Brook Talks America. I'm your host, Brooke Says, on Salem Media Group. And we will be right back. More Brooke Talks America coming up. One has to wonder, is there a concerted effort to block the free flow of media information throughout the United States of America? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. 
On my recent travels to both Washington, D.C. and Austin, Texas, I noticed that it was impossible to locate a live Internet broadcast of Fox News Network, One American News, and Newsmax via the Internet. So at first I thought maybe there were broadcast transmission problems or connection issues. But when I clicked onto CNN, ABC, or any of the other leftist networks, they popped right up with quick and easy access to their live broadcasts, no matter what time of the day or night. Recently, a family friend who resides in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, said that she was able to get Fox News on the Internet until recently. But now she cannot find it except Fox News old replays and only live broadcast of leftist Fox anchor Chris Wallace. Hmm. Such media blackouts illustrate both the complete bias of American leftists and their fear of losing in a fair battle of ideas. I'm... Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Welcome back to Brook Talks America. Visit on Facebook. Search Brook Talks. And now your host, Brook says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brook Talks America. We're on Salem Media Group, and I'm here with Colonel Jim. We'll be talking to him in a minute. Um you know, it was a great segment uh, with Evan Sayat and talking about the wokeness. There are some interesting things happening. I always look at what's happening under the surface and say, why is this happening? Why are people talking about this? A couple of things, you know, that uh, the whole kneeling thing with the NFL, everybody was really upset about that. They stopped watching to a large degree and then they, the NFL stopped doing it and they stopped showing it and everything. Well, the NBA is committing suicide now and they're, their uh, ratings are down like 45%. I mean, it's the cra- they'd never been that low, so much so that even uh, Silver is saying they will not be putting BLM on the jerseys or on the floor next year in response to that. You know, at the end of the day, you can say all you want, but at the end of the day, the real thing that matters is that money. Okay. The other thing is that uh, Bill Burr, who is, you know, he's he doesn't care, right? He gives... No, he gives no quarter. He did a, an SNL skit that has the left going crazy. He actually calls out what's going on now with the woke, the white liberal women and everything like that. They're going crazy. You know, Dave Chappelle, they tried to cancel Dave Chappelle. Couldn't do it. Tried to cancel Bill Burr. Can, couldn't do it. He's calling out the whole woke movement, which is what Evan was talking about. But the surprising thing is when you have actually people on the Clinton News Network, the Communist News Network, whatever you want to call it, that is CNN actually going after Democrats. I thought this was very interesting. You had two situations, one with Blitzer and Pelosi and one with Tapper. I just want to play these clips. They'll be back to back showing that it's very interesting that they were actually going after the Democrats because the Democrats, they run the Democrats and the Democrats run that. We may have seen the clips on another channel, an anchor doing what no anchor is allowed to do, asking Nancy Pelosi a question and then pushing for an answer. The question was, why are you blocking coronavirus relief spending? Here's how the Speaker of the House responded. Make a deal, put the ball in McConnell court. So what do you say to Ro Khanna? What I say to you is, I don't know why you're always an apologist, and many of your colleagues apologists for the Republican position. What makes me amused 
if it weren't so sad, is how you all think that you know more about the suffering of the American people than those of us who are elected by them. It's not about me. It's about millions of Americans who can't put food on the table, who can't pay the rent, and who are having represent trouble, them. And we represent them. getting and by we represent these laws every day is critically, critically important. Thanks so much Thank for joining us. Thank you for your us. sensitivity to our constituents' needs. I am sensitive to them because I see them on the street begging for food, begging for money. Madam Speaker, thank you Have so you much. Have you fed them? We feed them. We feed them. We throw the food over our fence in Napa, and they gratefully clamber up and eat it like squirrels. That's how Nancy Pelosi feels about you. She's feeding you. You owe everything to Nancy Pelosi. But he said it's not constitutional what they're doing. How is it not constitutional what they're doing? His point is that the people have an opportunity to weigh in on this constitutional process through their vote. And we are now in the midst of the election. Millions of people have already cast their votes. And you see that the vast majority of people say that they want the person who wins the election on November 3rd to nominate the justice. That's a poll. That's not the Constitution. So by by trying to by trying to that's that is their there, there's the constitutional process of advising consent the american people get to have their say by voting for president by voting for senators we are now 23 days from the election right, but it's not again, unconstitutional millions they again, believe again, Kate, that's that a the poll. vote should happen on November 3rd. That's not what the word constitutional the means. Cons- constitutional the- doesn't mean I like it, it or I don't like it. It means it's according to the U.S. Constitution. There's nothing unconstitutional about what the U.S. Senate is doing. Now, you have to ask yourself, why on earth is Wolf Blitzer going after Nancy Pelosi? And that was just a small clip of it was like 13 minutes. And he was just hitting at her and hitting at her. She definitely didn't like it. And Tucker is just so brilliant with the way that he puts it. And why is Tapper? This was a Biden campaign uh Representative Bedingfield, why is he going after them? The only reason you can assume that they're going after them is because in the case of the uh, ice cream Nancy, just like she did with the first CARES Act, she's withholding money and it's causing her constituents to to complain to their representatives. So it's hurting Democrats. Why is CNN is Tapper going after Bedingfield because it's hurting Democrats. That's the only reason they would do anything like this. But it's just a really shocking thing to have anybody from the mainstream media go after a Democrat because you just don't see it. So, Jim, we have to talk about the town halls. First of all, I don't understand why they even had town halls and they couldn't have a debate when Trump was sitting, you know, the far as far away from uh, Guthrie that he could have sat with you know, across from Biden, but whatever. So in the town hall, you know, we got to talk about this. In the town hall, one was a softball bromance between the uh, the little guy, Stephanopoulos, who I call Stupidopoulos, and Biden. And the other one was an ambush, which is a debate between Trump and Guthrie. But I do have to say, before we get into this, I just want to pay the, play this really funny clip of this woman who said she was supposedly a Trump, uh, a, a Clinton supporter. This is what she had about Trump. Good evening, Mr. President. Thank you, Thank you very much. I have to say, you have a great smile. Thank you. Okay. Thank As, you. So, he does. You're so handsome when you smile. I just thought we had to play that because it was so cute. And, uh, you know, before we get into the smash mouth, we got to put a little levity. So that was pretty funny. So what do you think about that? (laughs) When we talk about ambush, it was a hostile ambush. Of uh, him. Of of Donald Trump by Samantha Guthrie. And even before 
the Biden debate, there was lots of discussion by all types of pundits out there who were saying that it was going to be another softball game for Joe Biden uh, coming from the political left, and that's what it was. I mean, I watched the the Biden debate because I wanted to, you know, of course, we're all listening to for Biden's gaffes, and we had it, – it almost put you to sleep. I mean, it was the questions that were being asked by – Stephanopoulos were just, you know, they just was like, this isn't a debate. This is a discussion. I think I even uh, texted you during it saying this is nothing more than a discussion by two political leftists. It's pretty it's pretty boring. And so, of course, I went. Back and it's to a, the- and it's a, just going after Trump. But that's not even the worst of it. What had happened? What came out in the news on the same day that they had the town halls? Well, of course, we had everything about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Yeah. Everything was out there. I mean, where was at least a single question of Joe Biden? Tell me about this between your, you know, nothing. nothing. And CNN and MSNBC and all the rest of the mainstream media, if there was 30 seconds of coverage on it, there was, you know, nothing. Um, that was the single biggest story of the week. And a lot of discussion now is, you know, we, and we've talked about it. But Savannah, but I just want to say Savannah Guthrie is asking Trump about Q, which sure. is like totally irrelevant. And they're not even asking Biden about Hunter Biden. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, <laughs> and just, the laptop and, and, and the and the discussions that were uh, were had uh, and and the attacks by Sav- uh, Guthrie against Trump were, you know, she just went at him just just consistently she looked rabid she she did and i mean you know we've we've seen the memes out there of her with you know the the evil eyes and <laughs> snake tongue and everything but i mean that was by design she uh, apparently questions were provided by the audience and other uh members of the mainstream media to ask trump and she looked at him and said i don't want to ask these she had her own agenda her agenda was to go after trump with all the vengeance she possibly could put up, and we got what we got, but Trump crushed it. I mean, he went in. He went into savage mode after her, and 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 denounced everything, you know, and even the white supremacy question. He oh my went God, there I can't with that. and said, "Look, I've talked about this, and I mean, it's there for the record of how many times Trump has talked about that over the last several years." So. Uh, I think in the end he did well, and then we heard the games being played with the ratings and everything. So um, that was pretty much it, you know. But again, the big story was Joe Biden and his son Hunter. Well, and um, it was they were complaining online. It was 22 minutes or something like that before she asked a single question of the audience. So you're listening to Brooke Talks America. I'm here with Colonel Jim. I'm your host, Brooke Says, and we'll be right back. More Brook Talks America coming up. Welcome back to Brook Talks America with Brooke Says. Connect by Twitter at Talks America. Here's Brooke Says. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Brook Talks America. All that funky music, I pick it all. That's my Miami jams right there. Um, so I'm back here with Colonel Jim, and we're talking about the uh, the joke, really, that was the town halls this week. Uh, but we have to get into more Hunter Biden stuff, because this is really serious. I mean, this is not just general corruption. This is 
a member of the uh, the son of the vice president of the United States of America dealing directly with the communist Chinese Communist Party, among all of the other stuff that he was doing. So tell, talk about that. Well, I mean, this is just um, his people are flipping, right? His oh, associates. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, there they there's two of them so far that are are now talking and providing um, some pretty good information what was going on. But but the real question that I have on this was, um, why did Joe Biden get picked as Barack Obama's point man on Ukraine and China? And why did Joe Biden utilize his son to do this? And the question that comes to play here is, okay, we have lots of situations with regard to national security and foreign policy where the president names a point person and that person is given the the mission of being an emissary or an envoy to a situation in the world and they take it on and they're paid by the U.S. government. They work through the State Department. They work through the National Security Council depending on how the situation is going. But Joe Biden's son gets named to go work these issues and he doesn't get paid by the U.S. government. So he has no interest of the U.S. government and our foreign policy and our national security. And, and no we, reason to be there. And no reason to be <laughs> there. And then we start, re, you know, the the real most explosive revelations here is what the is that the Treasury Department started flagging payments collected overseas by Hunter Biden and and from business partners, you know, and those are two of them who are already starting to come out and speak, uh, Devin Archer and, and Bevan uh, Cooney. But he's getting paid by these foreign governments or foreign entities or foreign businesses, you know, the most notable one is Burisma. Whose interest is at stake here? Well, whose interest is at stake here is Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and their family, because we later found out that the payments were supposed to be shared with Joe Biden, who was president of the United States, and he's taking essentially kickbacks from foreign countries under the table, paid to his son, that his son has to now give half to. Now, that's the family arrangement, but everything here is just totally illegal and, and unheard of. Why was this allowed to happen? The Obama administration knew this was going on, and they actually even covered it up. They didn't say, wait a minute, this doesn't look good. It's not on the books as an official way to handle dealings with foreign countries. And there were many countries. It wasn't just Ukraine and, and China and Russia. There were many others. And, money, and you know, this is all going to be found out. And, and the key thing here to look at is the, Biden, the, the, the Obama administration covered it up. They said nothing. They did nothing. And they were hoping that it would never be discovered. And once again, just like everything else from the Obama administration, it got found out. You know, we saw this with Russia collusion. We saw this with FISA. We saw this with everything else they were involved in. So the key thing here is why was this allowed to happen? Well, and the other thing, too, you know, is like there are some people that are like, oh, you can't talk about the fact that he's a drug at Hunter Biden. He, you know, he's, he's got a picture with a crack pipe. And by the way, for anybody who's trying to say, oh, these pictures are not real. The information is not real. It has been certified. There is a laptop. It is Hunter Biden's laptop. It has been absolutely confirmed that that's his laptop. All the information is on there. The pictures are of him. It's not, you know, they've done. Uh, and apparently Chanel. Rion from OAN has said there's some video out there and I 
This is the quote, or, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but this is what she said is apparently what he has on that video or on the pictures or whatever makes Anthony Weiner and what he did, the stuff that he liked to take pictures of look like child's play. No pun intended, because you know what happened with him, what he was doing. So there's well, I don't want to, you know, there until it comes out, we don't want to get further into some of the really nasty details of it until it's absolutely confirmed. But there is a big problem on that laptop. OK, and one of the big problems is, is that big tech, as soon as this came out, big tech. Uh, suppressed it. And that's a really big problem that, you know, uh, Tucker talked about. He's going to start naming all the Republicans that get money from the from the big tech corporations, because this is right before an election. People are going to be voting already or starting to vote on Monday, as in here in Florida. This information has to be out there. This is serious. If he's a crackhead that's passed out or somewhere, he's he's susceptible to blackmail. He can have all kind of things that that they, you know, uh, that they blackmail him for. Because he's passed out or something. So it's it's not just like, oh, his son is a drug addict. This is very serious for national security. The Chinese government, he was directly involved with the CCP. So you got to talk about that because this is like really very serious. And pe- voters deserve to know about this. Well, this goes back to the whole arrangement, as I was saying, that he wasn't serving as an emissary for the U.S. government. He was working under the table for the various countries here, and he was profiting, profiting and benefiting. Uh, benefiting from it, as well as the rest of the family, including Joe Biden. The national security implication here, having worked in national security my whole career, is, as you noted, the opportunity for blackmail, extortion, what have you. And when you start dealing in things like prostitution, you're a known drug addict, you open yourself up to all kinds of things that could possibly happen. They're basically, these foreign governments are holding him hostage for whatever he's doing, and they're going to use it against him if he doesn't follow suit, whereas if you were a uh, being paid by the U.S. government, you're working for the government. So this is... This and is by the, the big, way, Hillary's emails are the same situation. Eg- exactly. This This is the big problem here. The other question that comes in mind here, and I know we're we're getting close on time, is... When the FBI knew about it, some are saying the FBI, now the, the laptop was discovered in December 2019, why didn't Christopher Ray bring this forward, and why are we just learning about it now? So that's a big question. I'm a conservative, and I'm a realist, and I'm looking at it this way. If it was withheld for whatever reasons, then Christopher Ray needs to answer that, and, dis, and that has to be determined, and... Whatever happens, happens. I believe he's on the way out anyway, so it's not going to matter. Timing-wise, I think it's the best time now for it to come out. Had Mm. it come out in December, then we would have gone through the whole China-Wuhan virus situation we did, the violence this past spring and summer, and then uh, the hearings for uh, Amy Barrett. And it would have been lost. We would not be talking about it now if this was revealed in December because we all know the life cycle and time span of of issues get get drowned out by what's going on. So from a realist standpoint, I think it's the best time for this to come out now. It's going into the election fresh. We have two weeks to find out more, and I think it will make – have an impact on a lot of decisions of voters. Well, there is a problem with that uh, regarding Ray is that they impeached Trump for 
talking to Ukraine. So that's a really big problem if you're impeaching the president for talking to a guy to get rid of corruption in the country before we give them taxpayer-funded money. Hello? That's what he was talking about. And yet they know all this stuff about Biden. So that's a big problem. And Ray certainly needs to answer for that. And I'm sorry, Barr needs to answer for that because... He's in charge of Ray, and he's in charge of the entire DOJ. Speaking of the DOJ, you have here that you anticipate big story of from the DOJ in about a minute or so. I think we're going to see some information come out on the Russia collusion, and I think we may even see something change uh, with regard to Mike Flynn and how oh, that is hallelujah. going uh, before the election. Because people are, are concerned, they want answers, and they want to see something happen. So... Um, I know uh, Trump wants to do something about it, and he can only do so much as president. He cannot influence the DOJ, and he can't influence uh, the courts in any way, but he can. uh, You know, we've seen him in the last week kind of point the finger and shake the finger at at Barr. Uh, A lot of people are asking what that has to do with. I think that may be an indicator or a signal that we may see something big. So you think that might be a psyop? It may be. Interesting. Well, it's <laughs> something needs to happen. I do have to say, uh, someone we needs to walk the plank. At least, in my opinion, at least one person needs to walk the plank before the election, and not this other guy who was who pled guilty because that's just not enough. Now, on the other hand, you are the in fact the uh, Hillsborough GOP. So we want to talk a little bit. We have about a minute where I want to talk about the um, voter registration patterns that you say give Trump an edge, uh, which the polls aren't catching. Well, we're starting to see a lot of indications that Trump obviously is doing very well and perhaps even better than he did in 2016. And I attribute that to, one, people know Trump. He's a known quantity. You get what you get with Donald Trump. And I think as we go through the rest of what's going on with the Democratic Party, people are getting fed up. I'm getting lots of uh, texts and emails and, and private messages from people who are really upset about how things locally in Hillsborough have gone with the coronavirus situation and people still wearing masks and when are we going to do something about it? And so I think that may be uh, an indicator of how things are going. Well, hopefully so. And all of this stuff. And, and as I mentioned, some of the cultural issues is that America, that's the kind of stuff that gives me hope. The fact that the NBA is going to walk back their whole woke stuff and you know, that the, the culture is, pushing back. That to me is always an indicator because the left is never going to come out and say, but they have to be getting complaints behind the scenes and their constituents are not happy. And by the way, millions of people are still out of work. So Ice Cream Nancy with her $12,000 freezer needs to work with the president. But everybody who's listening to this show needs to vote GOP. My sister has changed her registration after 25 years of being a Democrat. Not only is she going to vote for Trump, she didn't vote for him last time, but she's changed her registration. The smart people are doing that. I'm your host, Brooke Says, here with Colonel Jim on Brooke Talks America. Let's save America. Vote Republican. You've been listening to Brooke Talks America with author, publisher, conservative advisor, and patriot, Brooke Says. Connect by email, info at brooktalksamerica.com. By Twitter, at Talks America. And listen next Saturday night for more Brooke Talks America on AM 860, The Answer.